Hello, and welcome to Discussions with DPIC. I'm Ann Holsinger, the Information and Resource Specialist at the Death Penalty Information Center. Today I'm joined by DPIC Executive Director Robert Dunham and Director of Research and Special Projects Robin Conrad to discuss the upcoming executions in Arkansas. Robert, Robin, thank you for joining me. Our pleasure. On February 27th, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson set execution dates for eight death row prisoners. The eight men were scheduled to be executed between April 17th and 27th, with two executions occurring on each of four nights. One of those executions has since been stayed, but the state intends to proceed with an unprecedented seven executions in 11 days. We are recording on Thursday, April 13th, and discussing the cases as they stand today, but the situation is changing rapidly. Please visit our website at deathpenaltyinfo.org for the latest updates. Robert, can we begin by discussing just how unusual it is to have so many executions so close together? In the modern history of the United States death penalty, which dates back to the 1970s when the U.S. Supreme Court declared the old statutes unconstitutional uh, and the states adopted new statutes, in that 45-year period, there has never been any time in which any state has attempted to execute so many people in such a short period of time. And why is it that Arkansas is rushing to execute these eight prisoners on such a condensed schedule? The reason that the governor gave in setting this very, very condensed schedule was that the first of the three execution drugs was going to expire at the end of April. So that's the reasoning that um, the governor gave for setting this short time frame for these executions. And there's been a lot of controversy surrounding those execution drugs. Is there any litigation happening around that in these cases right now? Yes, and in fact, uh, the federal court is holding a hearing on issues related to the drug and related to access to counsel during these now seven executions. Um, they're in the midst of the fourth day of a hearing in federal court, and the current protocol that Arkansas has decided to use uh, uses a controversial drug called midazolam as the first drug. That drug has been used in several botched executions that we've seen in Ohio, in Oklahoma, in Arizona, and in Alabama most recently. The, um, the prisoners here in Arkansas have alleged that the drug will not properly sedate and anesthetize the prisoner such that the drugs that are given after the midazolam, the second drug which paralyzes the prisoner and the third drug which stops the heart, which causes excruciating pain, um, the, the effects of those drugs will be felt because the first drug will not work properly. And so what would have to take place for these executions to be halted? Who or what court has the power to stop them? Well, the executions can be halted in a number of different ways. Uh, one of them has been halted. The, uh, the pardons board made a six to one recommendation uh, for uh, clemency for Jason McGeehee, who is scheduled to be executed on the last day. Uh, and um, the district court, which has one, one of the cases before the district court is the impairment of the right to clemency, uh, the district court granted a stay of execution uh, based on that. Uh, the district court can also grant a stay uh, if after the uh, conclusion of the current evidentiary hearing, they're in the fourth day of it right now, uh, challenging the execution schedule. Uh, if the court finds that the execution schedule creates an unnecessary risk, uh, 
uh, that court has the ability to grant a stay. But we've also seen action in several other courts. The, uh, one of the challenges was brought uh, in the Arkansas state courts. That's been denied, so it, it's not expected that the state courts will intervene. There is also a petition that's pending in the United States Supreme Court, uh, and the Supreme Court was scheduled to review that petition today, but yesterday, uh, without explanation, uh, they changed the date. They're going to hear it at some uh, unannounced time in the future. That gets to be problematic, given that the executions are supposed to start uh, on Monday. But the Supreme Court could grant a stay. Uh, the District Court could grant a stay. The Intermediate Federal Appellate Court, uh, the Eighth Circuit, uh, could grant a stay. And if something happens, uh, the governor can call off uh, some of the other executions if he sees fit. You mentioned that the prisoners are raising concerns about risks associated with this execution schedule. What are those risks that they are concerned about? One of those risks is the denial of access to counsel and the burden that is put on the, the counsel who represent these prisoners. Um, many of these prisoners are represented by the same attorneys or the, the Federal Defender Office, the same office, and so that is a major concern. The fact that one lawyer is going to have two client, clients executed in one day is astounding. The ability to get into the courts while an execution is occurring, that is um, another concern that has been raised. The way that the protocol and the policies of the Arkansas Department of Corrections stand now, there is only one attorney that's allowed to be in the execution while it's happening. So if something goes wrong, there is no way for another attorney to be in the, the, the room and leave. They don't have access to phones during the execution. Um, and so those are some problems that have been raised in the litigation that has been going on this week. And, you know, both Robin and I have represented clients in the past uh, under death warrants. Uh, and uh, when you have an active death warrant and the case is coming, uh, it's the day of the execution, uh, it's all hands on deck. The entire office uh, essentially gives up everything else that it's doing uh, and tries to assist. Uh, you literally have situations where briefs are being written overnight to go from one court to the next. And you're jumping from court to court uh, with a variety of different legal claims, the same as the case here. We literally were stepping over bodies of people who were sleeping on the floor uh, in order to get to and from the computers uh, to type things, to get things sent to the appropriate courts and so forth. It is physically exhausting. Uh, and when you lose a client, uh, it is, uh, lawyers are, are, are human beings, uh, and uh, to be a good death penalty lawyer, it's critical that you establish a relationship of trust with your client. Uh, and that means that you have a substantial emotional investment uh, in that client. Uh, and when the execution occurs, uh, it is extraordinarily difficult uh, to concentrate uh, and to move forward. Uh, it's unimaginable to me uh, how you can expect lawyers, uh, if they're going to have uh, three clients potentially executed in the space of eight days, or in, in some of these, uh, two uh, in the same day. Uh, it's extraordinarily difficult for me. Uh, I, I find it 
difficult to believe that anybody would be able to do that. There have been similar concerns raised about the effects that this schedule might have on the correctional officers. Could you describe those concerns a little bit? Twenty-five former prison wardens who've been involved in executions have written a letter to Governor Asa Hutchinson and the Department of Corrections uh, asking that the schedule be changed. Uh, and their reason for that uh, is because they say that having a compressed schedule like this, where you have back-to-back -back executions uh, and eight scheduled in the course of 11 days, now seven, um, sig significantly increases the risk that something will go wrong. In addition, they expressed very serious concerns uh, for the psychological well-being of the corrections personnel. Uh, they say that uh, when you carry out an execution, no matter what you think about the death row prisoner as an individual, whether uh, you like the person or whether you think that they are a despicable person, at the time of an execution, the prisoner is helpless, is defenseless, is strapped down to a gurney, uh, is entirely at the mercy of prison personnel. And they've gone through an extended training program where they have technically considered the various different steps. Uh, and as the wardens say, it is one of the most premeditated acts of killing that uh, you will ever see. No normal human being is unaffected by deliberate participation in the termination of a person's life against their will. And the wardens say that that has very serious psychological effects on corrections personnel. They've documented that people uh, who participated in executions uh, later suffer from nightmares. Uh, they have documented increased use of alcohol, increased use of drugs. Uh, some of the former uh, corrections uh, personnel have committed suicide. Uh, and many have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. This execution schedule magnifies all of that because you have repeated exposure to the same type of traumatic event where you have execution after execution back to back on four different occasions. And so they say that creates a tremendous, tremendous risk for the future health and well-being of the prison personnel. And I'd just like to jump in here and um, point out that Oklahoma attempted to do a double execution one evening in um, April of 2014. They had scheduled the execution of Clayton Lockett and Charles Warner using the same drug formula that Arkansas is planning to use with midazolam, um, which has been involved in, in various botched executions. Uh, the first execution, which was Mr. Lockett, did not go as planned, and there were problems. There were problems because of getting access to one of his veins, and there were problems with the use of the drug midazolam. And the staff and the people involved said that it was just, it, they were so stressed. It was an atmosphere of apprehension, one of, one of the uh, people stated, that it was just too stressful. And as a result, um, an investigation was undertaken in Oklahoma, and the Department of Public Safety said that Oklahoma should not schedule executions on the same day, and they should be at least seven days apart. And states in general uh, have followed that kind of approach. You know, almost nobody has 
conducted back-to-back -back executions in the United States. In the modern era of, of the U.S. death penalty, again dating back to the 1970s, there have only been 10 days in which states have conducted more than one execution on the same day. There are only four states who have ever done that. Now, Arkansas has done it four times, and Arkansas is the only state that has conducted three executions uh, on a single day. But the fact is that no one has done a back-to-back -back execution since the year 2000. And there is nobody in the uh, Arkansas prison system uh, who has ever uh, been involved in this kind of schedule. Uh, the closest back-to-back -back executions have ever taken place uh, was 86 days apart. So to try to do that four times in the span of a week and a half uh, is, uh, is extraordinarily risky. Uh, and one of the other things that we saw in the legal challenge that the prisoners have brought to the, this particular execution schedule uh, is not just that there is so little time uh, between, uh, between the executions and the way that affects the lawyers in the case. Uh, it's that th this compressed schedule magnifies the risk of error, makes it more likely that something is going to go wrong, and prevents the state from having any meaningful opportunity to correct it. We just got word from the courthouse uh, earlier today that Arkansas says they're planning to start the executions at 7 o'clock at night with a second execution scheduled for 8.15. An hour and 15 minutes apart is not just risky, it's crazy. It's crazy when you consider that uh, the use of midazolam in the Joseph Wood execution uh, in Arizona resulted in an execution that took two hours. Uh, the botched executions uh, in Ohio and in Alabama, uh, it took 35 minutes for the prisoner to die. Uh, and in all of those, in all three of those executions, you had prisoners who were described as gasping for air like a fish out of water. That has to have an effect on the personnel watching that. That has to have an effect on the lawyers, on the witnesses, on everybody. And the notion that in the space of an hour and 15 minutes, you're going to be able to bring one prisoner in, uh, conduct the execution, not have anything happen, um, and then wheel the dead prisoner out and bring the new person in, in an hour and 15 minutes, that's shocking. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong, it's hard to imagine that they'll be able to actually follow that kind of schedule. Aside from all of the problems with the execution schedule that we've already discussed, there are some systemic issues that have been raised in these cases. What sorts of wider issues are presented by these eight cases? There are concerns regarding mental health issues that we've seen in these cases. Um, one of the prisoners has been diagnosed with mm. paranoid schizophrenia. Another has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. There are concerns of um, intellectual disability, which would mean that that prisoner would be precluded from even having an execution under Supreme Court law. Um, there are also concerns with the counsel who represented these people at trial, that some of them did not have adequate counsel, and some of the prisoners have raised claims of innocence. So these are all systemic issues we see in the death penalty, and in particular in these cases, um, that, that at least should stop the court from moving forward with their executions. And one of the things that is particularly problematic 
uh, about these executions uh, is that, and, and this is not something that's unique to Arkansas, but, but I think it becomes um, much more publicly noticeable because of the huge number of executions in such a short period of time, uh, is that we tend uh, to start focusing as a country uh, on things that are sensational. So there's been a lot of attention here that's been focused on the nature of the schedule, the fact that, that no one else has ever attempted uh, to carry out a, an execution schedule like this. In fact, Arkansas itself knew better the last time they tried to execute these same eight individuals. They spread the execution dates out uh, over a period of four months. Uh, but now everyone is paying attention to what's wrong with Arkansas, why are they trying to carry out uh, all these executions in a short period of time, and people haven't paid attention to what I think ultimately is an even more important issue, which is that the judicial process here failed. We have eight individuals who are set for execution, seven of them still uh, possibly will be carried out, and in every single one of these cases, there are serious questions about whether the courts got it right. As the cases stand, the defendants were provided, at least their allegations that are pretty substantial allegations, that they were provided ineffective representation. They didn't have their offenses fully investigated. They didn't have uh, their life histories fully investigated. Uh, and we do not know what a jury would have done if the jury had been presented a meaningful case for life. You shouldn't be executing people if there are serious doubts remaining as to whether they committed the offense. You shouldn't be executing people if there are serious doubts remaining as to whether they are intellectually disabled. You shouldn't be executing people if there are serious doubts remaining as to whether they are mentally ill. And yet, here we have seven executions still pending, and all of those issues are present in these cases. So as we said at the beginning, this is a rapidly changing situation. Are there any developments that we are expecting on a particular schedule between now and Monday? The hearing is scheduled to conclude this evening at 8.15 p.m., and we anticipate a ruling from the federal judge by tomorrow, Friday, and that judge will determine whether, in fact, this schedule comports with the Eighth Amendment and the Constitution. And as Robin said, uh, the district court is going to be making its decision in a very, very short time period. Uh, that's not going to be the end of it. Whoever loses in the district court is going to be appealing to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Whoever loses in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, is going to be appealing to the United States Supreme Court. So we're going to have some kind of decision on Friday in an artificially compressed period, uh, which is produced by the execution schedule itself, and then it's going to go up the appellate ladder, and we're going to be waiting on decisions from the Eighth Circuit and the United States Supreme Court. It could carry over the weekend. It could carry on into Monday. Uh, and that's why we so frequently see uh, all these executions happening at the last minute. That's another problem with Arkansas scheduling these executions for one hour apart, because there is no guarantee that it will start at 7 o'clock. Uh, and there is no guarantee that a court won't be trying to take uh, action uh, considering whether to stop the execution. So, uh, you know, this is a fluid situation. Uh, it'll be very interesting. and. Uh, unfortunately, very dramatic uh, to see the way uh, it turns out.
Thank you both so much for joining me and for sharing your expertise on this issue. As we said at the beginning, this is a rapidly changing situation, and we will be keeping our website up to date with any new developments that occur. So please visit deathpenaltyinfo.org for more information. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Discussions with DPIC, please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast app of choice. Thank you.